Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm Keith. We're back again to talk about the Dunlap Champions Club. You've heard us give this pitch before, but we're going to go ahead and throw another fastball at you because the Dunlap Champions Club is where you should be each and every Florida State home game. If you've never tried it, you've got to do it at least once. You do it one time, you'll be hooked. It comes with shade. That's key. It comes with chair backs. It comes with all the food you can eat which Keith and I don't need, but that is one of the perks of it. But it's a really good experience. And many of you have been in there socially, maybe outside of a game, so you've seen the space. Some of you still haven't been in the space. You need to call and take a tour. The ability to watch the game from your chair, to go inside where it's cool, to get food, to get drink, to see people and and socialize to whatever degree, that's important to you. Dozens and dozens of televisions on the wall. You won't miss anything. Plus, you can look out the glass and see from from, uh, the fourth floor. Again, it's a place you ought to go and give it a chance. For your tickets, for a tour, for more information, 644-1830. And now, without further ado, Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom and Keith back with you. We are four weeks into the college football season, KJ, which means it's time to transfer if you're not happy. Evidently, I I had no idea that the four-game redshirt rule would mean that the fifth week of the season was now a new signing period for for whoever wanted to leave or whoever wanted to go. I didn't see that coming, but obviously, uh, as is evidenced by what's happened uh, most recently at Clemson and some other schools and kids that announced on Monday, uh, it's become a new benchmark that coaches have to deal with relative to uh, our players coming or are they going or what are they doing? If you haven't heard, we're talking about Kelly Bryan, who's announced that he's going to leave Clemson in light of the fact that Trevor Lawrence was announced the starting quarterback earlier this week. So he's played four games. That counts as a redshirt year for him. In the case of Kelly Bryan, he'll graduate this year, can transfer and play one year next year. Just to clarify, if you're not in position to graduate you will still be required to sit out a year so that rule is still in effect yeah, but how many how many kids have we read about that are leaving the program even though they have to sit out it's, i know i know hockman's issue was a little bit different because he hadn't played at all and was basically well, well, not hockman, named the 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 the, the starter but, but how, hockman how should be eligible about? next year because he left before competition started. that is correct but he's how, sitting out this how year many effect. kids have you read about in the last couple of days that have made that four games now a decision time. Well, they're all quarterbacks. Have you heard about other than quarterbacks? I'm very, there, there might be one wide receiver I've heard about. but It's yeah. basically quarterbacks, and this has been coming. You know, it's, it's next to impossible these days to sign two high-caliber quarterbacks in the same class. I mean, Florida State, a few years ago, they had Kyle Oxley, DeAndre Johnson, DeAndre Francois, all committed at one point, and then Kyle Oxley didn't end up signing because there was already two other quarterbacks. And then DeAndre Johnson had his off-field issue. So it wound up just being one quarterback for FSU. But it's impossible to sign multiple quarterbacks. And it's impossible to expect a quarterback to stay with you for more than three years, even if you redshirt him. So let's talk about the why on that. I was thinking about this today. So there's two reasons to me. One, you want to showcase your skills because you want to play at the next level. Or two... There's so many other people talking to you and so much clutter in your world that you're embarrassed that you're no longer the starter, so you take your ball and run. And I don't know Kelly Bryant, so I don't want to make it personal to him. But as it relates to A, if you have enough talent to play at the next level, the next level is going to find you whether you're on the bench, fourth string, out of football. But here's what you're missing. I don't want to wait those extra two years to earn money. I don't want to redshirt my freshman year I don't want to sit my redshirt freshman redshirt sophomore year and then play my next two years because now I'm five years into college I want to play now I want to play quick so I can get to the NFL two years faster and make two years more salary or get two years closer to that second deal I don't want to wait the five years I want to do it in three Tommy at that level it's about money because the money has gotten so big. Well, and this is why people turn pro after their third year, and especially if you're a running back. I think the the sage advice is go ahead and go. You're just getting wear and wear tear. Wear and tear. Wear and tear. I guess, and this just shows age. I'll call it experience. But back in the day, Casey Weldon, hometown hero, 
sat around, was not the starter, and watched his best buddy Brad Johnson start for half a season and had to be mad as hell that he wasn't the starter. And then Brad Johnson got benched, and Casey Weldon rode out the rest of his career, junior and senior year, and Brad Johnson had to be mad as hell that he wasn't the starter. But they stayed. But they stayed. They stuck it out. And lo and behold, the guy who was benched for the last year and a half of his career had a 14-year NFL career, which was probably six years longer at least than what Casey had, who also played in the league for eight years. I know it's a different era now. Uh, I get the idea of going ahead to start the clock as soon as possible. But if you're Kelly – so if you're Kelly Bryant right now – and again, I haven't watched his career that much. I mean, my thought all along related to Clemson – and you can make this case about every, just about every school except Alabama, who now has a quarterback and is really scary. But basically, Dabo's won a national title with a transformational quarterback into Sean Watson, just as Jimbo did when he had Jameis, and just as Cam Newton was at Auburn. And you can go through the list. <laughs> but of which Alabama has done without having a transformational quarterback. That's what I which mean. Which was your scary comment of 30 seconds ago. Yeah, side note, Alabama's averaging 55 points a game per now, which, uh, 55 points per game right now, which means that they'll, they're four points above what Jameis and FSU did in 2013. I don't know how many points they're allowing, but the Jameis-led Knowles was like 51 to 13 was the average score. Alabama's going to beat that this year or during Tua's career. But so my my point is, you know, Kelly Bryant, to me, having seen him play, he's not Deshaun Watson. No. Uh, he's not that transformational level quarterback. The this, Lawrence kid may be. Lawrence, Lawrence may be. <laughs> he may be. <laughs> it was pretty remarkable against Texas A&M. They put him in, and the very first pass he throws is a 75, 78-yard touchdown, whatever it was. No, but so if, if you're him, though, if you're leaving right now, if you're already graduating, so, I mean – Bryant could declare for the NFL draft this coming year. So maybe he's not that much of a prospect. He needs another year somewhere. Is that is that what it's about? I, I, or would, is think, it, I would think. Plus, if you leave now, there's the possibility that you could enroll and get into the other program. Certainly you could do it by January, but I don't know how the mid, midterm, mid-semester Well, if he's works. graduating, and I don't know. You said he's graduating this I'm sorry. December. I'm sorry. If that's the case, he's got to stick it I'm out. I'm sorry. I misspoke. For one that is not doing the transfer is going to have to sit out the year. They might choose to leave early, be able to get in early, that right. type of thing. I, I misspoke. Thank you for correcting me. Well, that does lead to this question, though. So if you're quitting the team right now, does that mean you're no longer on scholarship at Clemson? I mean, he's paying his tuition now the rest of the way? I mean, how does that work? Or is it already paid for because the semester's I, underway? I'm assuming it's already paid for, and I'm just thinking he may not get his monthly stipend, you know, full cost of attendance, and he may have to pay for his own – uh, apartment for for two months three months whatever we got left yeah I, I don't know i don't know the answer to it, it it's it, it's interesting times for sure uh i mean basically if you're not the starting quarterback you leave we saw it we saw it here really we saw it a few years ago with Jameis when there was four guys here and the next thing you know clint trickett hurried up and he went to west virginia and jacob coker transferred and and by know, the way both of them were pretty good they were but at the end of the day both of them were not good enough to play in the nfl Regardless of the fact that they went on and won a national championship at Alabama and had a good starting career at West Virginia, in the case of Trickett, concussions forced him out of the game. He was too slight anyway and wasn't going to make it. But So I, I don't know. I, I guess you're saying it goes back to money. I'm saying that's what I think. Yeah. You'd have to ask him. Oh, by the way. But I did not see this coming either. It, it uh, You know, coaches were in favor of this rule. Uh, so going back to the, the four-game redshirt rule, when you expand it beyond quarterbacks, and, and maybe this is just clearly it's a byproduct of, of this new rule, this is what we're going to see. Coaches like it because you can keep kids engaged that would normally be checked out. Checked you got out. some guys, exactly. you know, a guy right now that hasn't played at FSU, wasn't ready in the fall, the game was too fast for him. Well, three weeks from now, the game might have slowed down and Florida State might have some attrition. And guess what? You can now play him the last third of the season. Even if you don't have attrition even if it doesn't slow down yeah you can dangle you can that dangle that you can dangle that carrot now so. I, I like it oh by the way this just in uh florida state won a ball game on saturday they're two and two have we brought that up yet we haven't we haven't uh, we thought it more compelling to talk <laughs> about the quarterback situation um, isn't that a sad commentary i thought they took a step forward this past week very much so and, and i think we talked about both privately and publicly uh, in all of our venues that it was all about Florida State and Florida State playing attention, paying attention to Florida State. And I really think that, that this team was just in need of some confidence. For whatever reason, fault the recruits that they brought in, fault the development of the players once they got here, fault the coaching staff, if you will, 
for whatever reason, this was a team that just wasn't playing with any confidence and needs needed something positive to happen. Not saying they're going to be world beaters now, but at least they've got a little taste that this will work and this is what it feels like to win. Well, I appreciated the fact that they minded their P's and Q's enough to get off to a good start, and I'd like to see that continue. What I'm not overly convinced is going to happen is that if they fall behind will they revert will they revert or will they stick it and and that's what i don't know right now well and the other not known is all right you did it for two series well now you know you got to do it for 60 minutes do they have the ability the wherewithal to to play an entire that 60 game, minute game was close the other day if if patrick doesn't fumble i think that game was close to to really getting out of hand they were going to go in and score again and i think they could have finished them early and, and that might have been a positive but it might also have been a negative let me ask you this and then we'll get to our seminoles.com insider tim linnefeld i was listening to uh seminal headline shameless plug here uh the three amigos if you will and they raised an interesting topic, and it's how many of these guys, offense, defense, anywhere, are truly special players? There's a lot of good football players. How many great football players are on this team right now? And so, I mean, you think back to the 90s, and there was five every year, and then you think back to when Jimbo had it rolling, and, you know, say what you want about Jimbo, but Jameis, his watch, Derwin, his watch, Jalen Ramsey, his watch, Telvin Smith, his watch, Dalvin Cook. Those guys are all top three at their position in FSU history. Every kid that started against Auburn in the national championship game got a shot in the NFL. Uh, Yeah. and Every kid. A better way to characterize it is there's guys that are going to get a chance at the NFL here. But and this has been true the last couple drafts. They're they're second and third day picks. They're not first day picks. I mean, we're not talking about how there's six first-rounders on this team right now. And it, it goes back, I, I don't know, I, we need to ask the recruiting folks because I I swear that what happened, the, the biggest thing that Jimbo, the best attribute that Jimbo has is his ability to evaluate talent. I put it even above X and Owen on game day. But he needed to see it on the hoof, not on we, the tape. We, we've talked about it. When he was offensive coordinator, head coach in waiting, he was still out, able to to, to travel and visit prospects and see them play as, to their coaches. as much as any Talk other assistant coach. And that was the backbone for those classes that were 12, 13, 14. As soon as he became head coach, that got curtailed. He was just a closer now. And for those and, that don't know. And the, and the talent took a, took a dip. Now for those that good. don't know, the head coach is restricted. He has limited ability to go out and do face-to-face recruiting. There's there's a different set of rules for the head coach than for the assistant coach. That's my story, and I'm sticking to and it. And I think but, it's a good one. But I, I, to, to give the headlines guys credit, I mean, if you stop and think about it, I mean, there's a lot of good football players. I don't, the, I don't know how many transformational players there are. Well, here's the number one thing I would say that makes the difference between these good players and great players. This current roster has too many players that are soft. That prior roster had some kids that had some fight in them. Oh, they were dogs, yeah. They had some fight in them. This, this roster has far fewer of those. And the soft, I mean, you can say it's both mental and physical, but to me it's more between the years. If you fix agree. if you fix that agree. one, you can become physical, but but that's where it is, and they and they got to toughen up. All right. Um, speaking of soft, how's this for a special KJ? Are you are you are you segueing? I am segueing every Thursday at Madison Social. The social agreement for forty bucks, you get an order of wings, two proof Madison Socials, two bourbons, and two Madso burgers. So I don't know for what one person. I don't know what you're going to eat, but for that's one pretty person? good deal. No, that's. <laughs> That, that's for two. It's a good deal every Thursday. Surprisingly, might be astounding to our listeners. You and I have never uh, partook, partaken, partaked of that offer. We ain't had it either. <laughs> Tallahassee Oktoberfest is this Saturday, 4 to 9 at Township. Uh, so if the Louisville game is not going the way you like, uh, or even if it is, just head down to Township. Well, if there's an extreme one way or the other, yeah, we, we yeah, encourage yeah, you. Yeah, we encourage you to be uh, be safe, but uh, check out the Tallahassee Oktoberfest. We will uh, talk to our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld, momentarily. Stay with us. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Someone pay. I've been walking these streets. Yeah. 
That music can only mean one thing. Since only one thing. Since we've heard it two weeks in a row, it means Florida State got a win this past Saturday. Our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. The Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, Tom. How are you? Good. If we can continue to hear GNR every week for you know the rest of the season, that'll be a good thing, right? Yeah, buddy. We might have something going there. And what do you think the possibility of that is, Tim? Uh, of uh, every week for the rest of the season? Yes. Well, just in terms of controlling the music, I'd say it's really good. <laughs> that was well, well done. Played. Well, well played. Well done. Speaking of good news, Landon Dickerson's back at practice. So uh, are we going to see him uh, back in the lineup or at least in the rotation this weekend? You know, if I were a gambling man, I, 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 mean, I think he's got a pretty good shot. You know, when I saw him yesterday out there uh, and saw him moving around, I was good. Yeah, man, I don't know. He just looked, uh, well, it looked like a guy who hadn't practiced in a while and looked like a guy who was probably still pretty sore. But then this morning, uh, he was out there, took uh, took part in the, the Noel drill, which is kind of their Oklahoma gauntlet, uh, and, and looked actually pretty good, looked strong and, uh, and, and looked pretty powerful. And it's worth note that uh, he, he did do that drill today. I, I don't believe he did it yesterday. If he did, I must have missed it. Uh, so it seems like he's making progress there. And, and so, you know, we'll see. I, I still think it probably will depend on how, uh, you know, the, the rest of the week goes and how he's feeling. Uh, but the fact that he's even in the conversation, I think, is pretty good news. Tim, even if Dickerson can't go, it, it appeared the offensive line took a step forward last week. Now, I know it was Northern Illinois, and, and maybe some of that was scheme. But what's your thoughts on, you know, what kind of building block was that for Florida State last week? Look, man, I, you know, at this stage, I'm not putting any qualifiers on, on good news. I'm not moving the goalposts. Uh, you know, they did play better. I don't think it was a perfect game by any stretch. Uh, and, but I also wouldn't completely discount Northern Illinois either. I and mean, that's a pretty solid defensive line. They're fast. They're athletic. They have an All-American defensive end who led the country in sacks last year. And it obviously did, did make his presence felt uh, in the fourth quarter of that game. But, you know, any, any positive strong, anything, you know, where you can sort of, you know, plant a flag and say, hey, look, this is, what we were able to do, you know, for even just a handful of plays, and I think it was more than that. But you know, that we were able to come together and, and look the way we, you know we want to look, or look like we're moving in that direction. You know, to me, that's a good sign. So, uh, so we'll see. You know, maybe they have a combination that works for them. Obviously, if Landon Dickerson comes back, uh, I would I would assume he would take over that right tackle spot. Uh, but you know, I don't know. That's a good, it's a good question. Uh, maybe they would consider uh, leaving Brady Scott out there and putting Landon Dickerson back at guard, which is his more natural position. I think it's just a matter of. You know where is he most effective? But uh, just the, any positive signs, uh, you know, for me, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not looking that gift horse in the mouth. I think he has to be pretty happy with that, and then, you know, build from there. Tim, what do we make of the fact that Florida State still can't find the running game? There was, there were a couple of, uh, maybe a series, maybe two series where they put some back to back to back things together, but. As talented as the backfield is, even though the offensive line has struggled, I would think that you would have seen some more production out of the rushing game. I agree, and that's to me, is kind of one of the mysteries of the season so far is why that hasn't been able to get going. Uh, you know, Willie Taggart's teams, by and large, have always been really good at that, and, and when this offense is going, uh, it's the running game, I think, that usually leads the way. He said that a ton. And it's even made uh, more confounding, and I think this is actually a, a bigger point than just the running game, is that on those first two drives, which not coincidentally ended in touchdowns, the running game looked pretty good. You know, they were opening up some holes, getting into rhythm, and, and breaking off chunks of yardage. And then, for whatever reason, after that, really, uh, and, you know, the, the, the third drive was off to a really good start, too, and then you get the fumble on the fourth and one, which you had already picked up. Uh, and then it was just like somebody turned the faucet off. So, uh, so I really don't know. I, you know, I think that what you saw in the second half was just a, a commitment uh, that we're, you know, we're just going to run this thing. And, and of course, they held a double-digit lead for most of the second half too. I think it's for all of it. If that touchdown, you know, ended up not counting, so they said, you know, we're going to run the ball. We're going to run right at them, and you know, sooner or later, uh, we're going to break one, and, and it's going to get going. And you know, it, it didn't quite happen. Um, but yeah, no, I said to me, it's a mystery. You would think that it would be. Uh, it would be, you know, something they'd be really good at. I know that's what we all expected coming into this year. And, and Keith, you made a good point. Like, uh, you know, even if the offensive line isn't where you want it to be, you know, the the story and the expectations were that uh, you had a backfield that you know could maybe make up for that a little bit. Uh, and so far, that hasn't been the case. Is it fair? to say that maybe the first step was exactly what you're talking about in that Florida State did stick with the running game in terms of number of plays called, and maybe that's just the the small baby step to get down that trail? I think so, and especially, you know, you, you, can, you can afford to do that when you're up by two scores in the second half. You know, when you're chasing points, 
the way they were really and in, in their previous three games, you kind of can't. you got to find ways to, to win. Uh, but in this situation, I think, you know, you had an opportunity to just say, hey, look, this is what we're going to do, and come hell or high water, we're going to get this thing going or at least get some guys some reps. Uh, you know, I thought it was valuable for the offensive line, even if it wasn't totally uh, successful at all times, just to give them a chance to kind of block up those plays and, and kind of run just some simple runs and, and, you know, get them into rhythm what that feels like. Because, again, I'm, their game script from the first three games of the year didn't really allow for that. So, uh, so yeah, you know, I think if anything, you know, I think it can be valuable even if you didn't see the results against Northern Illinois, and, and you got to hope that you laid a foundation and, and can keep building on that. I think that's kind of the theme uh, of really this entire uh, entire game, entire week is, uh, you know, signs of progress, and, and, and now can you, you know, use them to move forward. Moving forward, Taggart has used the word revert, as in this team can't revert after that players-only meeting of a week. Was there another one this week, by the way, Tim? Did I see that? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Okay. so But but basically, you know, you, you move forward. You start forward. having those meetings, you got problems, you move You move forward, you can't move back again kind of thing. So you can look at it, uh, and this is not necessarily the players, but I can look at it and say, well, Louisville's really scuffling too, so this is an opportunity for Florida State. The problem is Louisville's on the other side going, oh, this FSU team is really struggling, so this is one we can get this weekend. Uh, so I, I don't know how that, how that wrangles out on Saturday what do you expect uh, no, I know I I'm kind of in the same boat as you I, what's, what's interesting is how the narrative has shifted on Louisville so quickly I know they had a you know, struggle to start the season but then once they did what they did at Virginia last week I think that really sort of opened everybody's eyes and said, oh my gosh you know what's going on over there uh, which is great because now all of a sudden you know if you're Florida State and, and Florida State fans I should say really time more than the team you look at that and say hey you know what we thought was going to be a tough game particularly when the schedule came out um, maybe isn't as, as big of a challenge uh, as it initially could have been or certainly wasn't as it would have been in the last couple of years with Lamar Jackson, which, okay, fine, you know, this that coupled with a, a win over NIU makes you feel pretty good about your chances. Uh, however, you know, that does kind of come with a little bit of pressure and some raised stakes, right? Because uh, if you go up there and, and for whatever reason don't play well or don't have success, knowing uh, the context of Louisville's season – uh, it, it kind of alters your perception too, right? So, no, I think this is, there's a lot riding on this game, uh, especially with what lies ahead, uh, knowing that you go to Miami in a week. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, to, to think how, how much things have changed in such a short amount of time. Um, and it's really, I think, it's kind of been the way this season has gone. Uh, every, every week just feels like such a drastic swing. Uh, but, you know, two weeks ago, not even two weeks ago, you're in Syracuse, um, you know, thinking you know, they were really, really far off and people were, you know, predicting the worst and, and all that kind of stuff. And now two weeks later, you're in a situation where you're expected to win a conference game on the road. I mean, that's a, a pretty dramatic swing, right? Well, I do think, you know, in this information age, part of the problem with metrics, I mean, metrics can tell a, a big story, but they tell the story up to this moment and they discount that you can be making tweaks or making improvements. So after the Syracuse game, everybody said they're never going to win another football game if they play like in that. In the history of the school. Well, and, they're, they're not going to play. like that, they might not have. Right, but but that just assumes that they're going to play that way the rest. So right, right. they played better last week against Northern Illinois. What's to say they don't make incremental improvements? Now, I'll, I will agree, this is, this is not a Super Bowl NCAA championship caliber team. Uh, Keith and I were talking some about, you know, the talent I don't think is where it needs to be at Florida State. But that said, there's nothing to prevent them from maximizing what talent they do have, and clearly that ceiling is higher than what they've reached so far. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely fair. And, uh, you know, man, I, I feel like I keep, uh, I keep kind of belaboring the point, but, like, it's just so – I don't know that I've been a part of a season like this where just the, the, the perception and the expectation and the, the vibe around – you know, maybe not the players themselves, but just the community and, and the people who follow the team. It's just it, it swings has swung so wildly, uh, you know, from week to week. And so, uh, no, man, I'm, I mean, I'm really interested. I don't know that I have a lot of insight as to what to expect from the game, but I know that I'm really curious to see what it looks like. Well, if your track record on rapid fire is any indicator, you made great improvement last week. You there did we go. five, five and four to seven and one. I mean, you've set the bar high. I don't know that you can do seven better than one, seven wow. and one. Yeah, that was. Uh, you know, and I never really tally up the questions nine one week, eight another. It's just whatever we can come up with before our brains go dead. So let's listen back. Let's grade you from last week. The Marching Chiefs are doing an Elton John tribute at halftime on Saturday. Uh, will one of the songs be Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting? Guaranteed. 
How many different players will take a snap from the center for FSU in the game? Two. Will we finally get to the hallowed ground that is double-digit punt return yards? Yes. 100-yard rusher? No. Defensive score by FSU? No. Most importantly, win or loss? Win. Should point out that uh, we asked you about number of uh, aircraft in the in the Coast Guard flyover that was canceled so that they could tend to more important duties, namely uh, the cleanup from Florence and everybody affected uh, with that. And That's a push in my book, uh, yeah, it's it's a push. Five and one though is is what I got there. Not bad. Better percentage. It. I'll take it. He's doing all right. All right. So you ready for this week? Let's do it. All right. Well, this is an oldie but a goodie. Will there be a one hundred yard rusher this week for FSU? Nope. Will FSU lead after the first quarter? Yes. Number of touchdowns, I'll, I won't even say catches, number of touchdowns scored by Tamari and Terry, and I'll set it at one and a half, under or over? Under. As we're going to uh, a state known for its bourbon, uh, will Keith Jones and yours truly perhaps have some bourbon? Over. <laughs> all right that's it we can't top that he definitely got <laughs> okay last time fsu played at louisville 63 20 louisville won will these teams combined score 63 or more points i don't think so no will these teams combined score 20 or more points yes okay will there be a penalty on a punt return for florida state oh gosh man i hope not but probably Number of touches for Trayshawn Harrison this week. The over-under is five and a half. Under. How many Florida State players will be carrying a football around next week? Two class, <laughs> two meetings, and everywhere else. Uh, Over-under one and a half. Over. All right, and this is a bonus that we really can't grade until like, I don't know, two, three, four, five years from now. Astute listeners will know that both Willie Taggart and Bobby Petrino are former head coaches at Western Kentucky. So how many seasons will it be until an assistant currently at FSU or Louisville is the head coach at Western Kentucky? Well, how many seasons? Yeah, how many, how many years do we have to wait? Two or three. Two or three? Okay, so we'll yeah. check back in a couple years. There's a lot of guys with Western Kentucky ties on the uh, staff at Fort State right now. Yeah, well, that's true. That is true. And and there's also some guys without a tie that uh, played close by. I'm thinking of Walt Bell. You know, I mean, he could be yeah. in that mix down the road, too. All right. All right. How are we doing on our questions, by the way? I mean, we always put you on the spot. Do you want us to ramp up, ramp down? Where are we at? I mean, you're doing pretty well. I feel like we might have to toughen the questions have up. To toughen them. Let's, see, let's see how this week goes. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to get too, uh, too cocky. It's still early in the season. It, it is. It is. That's a good point. All right. Good job, as always, Tim. Appreciate it, fellas. We'll talk to you next week. Will we drink bourbon this week? over <laughs> that, that was well that, played that's well played that was very well that needs to be like our refrain that needs to come back from every break with that right okay speaking of breaks we'll take one we'll get the bourbon and then we'll come back and continue front row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, and we'll fire up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline once more. We're going to deviate from current state of affairs at Florida State, talk about a former Knoll quarterback who's back from his suspension down in Tampa Bay. We had one suspended at the, at the next level? Uh, a guy named Jameis and a guy that's been covering his entire career and uh, who I used to work with back in the day. Mike Neighbors is on the horn. Mike, how are you, sir? Great to be on with you guys. How are you? I am great. This, you know, it occurs to me, Nabes, this is like the 20-year anniversary or close to it anyway of uh, <laughs> the best year in the history of local sports television, at least for you and I. That's personally. when both of y'all were 12, right? Yeah, viewers may disagree, but for us, it was a good time when we worked together. I don't know if you guys can relate. In my heart, I'm 25, but I get reminders daily that I'm not. That, yeah. That's called and a that's mirror. one of them right that's there. That's called a mirror. Yeah, and AARP <laughs> magazine showing up in your mailbox, that too, right? All right, so. Exactly, uh, yeah. 
uh, Mike is down in the Tampa area and has been for years. I did used to work with him at uh, WTXL. Before that, he was at WCTV here in town. So uh, longtime uh, folks around Tallahassee will remember Mike. Um, Nabes, first of all, to be fair, I know you've got Neighbors Media Group and it's not all sports, but beyond that, I just describe you as a jack of all trades. So uh, is there something else that uh, need that our listeners need to know? Uh, you cover the Bucks, you cover the Saints. You pretty much, if there's a paycheck involved, you cover it. I mean, that's the way it works in freelance sports, right? Yeah, you know, I hate to say that, but uh, you have to create <laughs> options. I always tell young people in this business, create as many options as you can, because if you lose something then you're still okay, but I have a weird life. My Twitter followers are confused because I cover the New Orleans Saints and the Bucks. So every time I tweet something about the Saints, I lose uh, Buck followers and vice versa. But we started a, a website down here in Tampa with a longtime Bucks beat writer, Roy Cummings, PewterPirates.com, and it's been uh, going strong for almost two years now, so we're excited about it. Good deal, and uh, sorry to just put the cards on the table like that, Names. I'll keep that between us next time. <laughs> uh, I'll throw this out, too, though, to make up for it. Apparently that uh, we're making history here in terms of uh, alums of Sun Sports because both Mike Neighbors and my partner Keith Jones are Emmy Award winners, the first two in the history of Sun Sports. I can add nothing like that to the conversation, but I, I am privileged to be by your side and on the horn with Mike. I'll let you come over and polish mine. After the show, you can travel to Tampa at your leisure to polish Mike's. <laughs> I won mine for a spelling bee story, and Keith earned his as a quality analyst. So uh, his may be a little more impressive than mine. <laughs> Boy, he pulled a fast one on those folks. <laughs> you must have known all the judges for full, sure. Full them sometimes, full them all the time, whatever that phrase is. All right, so, Mike, yeah. you're on. Uh, I wanted to have you on for a while, but obviously today makes sense because Jameis Winston is back. I mean, he was polarizing at Florida State. He's certainly been polarizing in Tampa. Uh, before we get into how this is all going to play out, if you've lined up 100 Tampa Bay Buck fans right now or 1,000, whatever, mm. how many are – on the Jameis train, and how many are? Let's be done with them. If if I would line up a hundred, that's a very good question. I, you know, I would say, in my mind, seventy would be against him right now because I think there was a camp, and I'm not in this camp. Um, that when he was drafted, they didn't like him, you know, based on everything that happened at Florida State, and they weren't going to ever change their minds. And then you had a camp, a wait and see camp. Let's see how it plays out. And then he has his latest problems in Phoenix with the Uber driver. So I think a lot of those people, you know, who wanted to give him a chance kind of stuck their neck and told others, let's give him a chance. Well, he made them look bad. So I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are, uh, are against him right now, frankly. And I think, um, he's going to have to do a whole lot to get their trust back. And you couple that with the player, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think the fan base is saying, you know, we don't need him right now. We have this guy. Um, uh, but I, I do think, uh, he does have his core of fans that are, they're going to stick by him. You know, no matter what he does, but I think there are those two factions of fans, and they're growing just because of everything that's happened to him off the field. Mike, to be fair, and I think this gets lost when folks are are trying to judge Jameis. This quote unquote latest incident actually occurred over two years ago, and between tw- between twenty sixteen up through twenty eighteen, other than Jameis allegedly lying or not being totally truthful when the NFL questioned him about the 2016 incident, there have not been incidences. And and trying to balance those two I know is very troubling and difficult for the Tampa Bay faithful. You're exactly right. The problem I have with the timeline, though, and it's funny because Jameis just met the media here in Tampa – um, and, and, you know, you know, Keith, he always uses that timeline as well. But the problem I have with the timeline is seven months ago he lied to the media and, you know, really went overboard to take credibility away from that Uber driver. And that was only seven, eight months ago. So, And that's fair. You know, that's very fair. And, and when you think about that, the cynic in you wonders, well, he's an entitled athlete who's gotten away with a lot. And he feels like if he just lies, maybe it'll just be pushed aside. And you wonder if there's other incidents that we don't know about. But for the record, guys, I'll tell you, you know, when Jameis Winston was coming out and you had the whole Jameis Winston-Marcus Mariota debate, I thought it was a no-brainer given the intangibles of Jameis Winston. You guys know this even better than me. When you meet Jameis Winston, you like him. I mean, he's a real engaging guy. You want to like Jameis Winston, but it just seems with him – once you want to really embrace him, something happens, whether it's the incident two and a half years ago or it resurfaces and he lies about it. And we'll never know for sure if he lied to the Bucks or not, but they've always backed him. And the way Dirk Cutter reacted at the beginning of training camp, and I, I'm not a mind reader, but it seemed like he was really hurt 
by everything that happened, and it, it seemed to me that he may have been lied to as well. Mike, not necessarily a fair question because we know at the NFL level, those 53 other guys, 52 other guys, they only want the other guy that will help them win. But same same survey, what percentage of the Tampa Bay Buck players are in Jameis's camp versus those that say, that say we, we need to get rid of him? Would you, would you that's guess? The, that's the interesting dynamic with Jameis Winston. And you guys know this at Florida State, how popular he was with his teammates. And, and you can say whatever you want about Jameis Winston, you know, his judgment on the field in terms of his football judgment and his judgment you know, off the field, which is uh, to be desired. But he's a hard worker, and he's a guy who's a team guy. And he said all the right things in his press conference today about Ryan Fitzpatrick, happy for the team. And, and I think in his, the long to answer your question, I think he's still very popular with his teammates. Uh, they're saying all the right things right now, but they defended him at his lowest point this offseason when he was suspended and when he lied to the media and may have lied to some people in the organization. Uh, you can tell when you interview somebody how authentic the answers are, and you get a lot of authenticity from his teammates, especially his wide receivers, guys like Mike Evans and Cam Brait. So uh, beyond that, though, you know, I think an interesting part of Jameis Winston, though, is in the long run, I think all of this, you never want things to happen to him that have happened. But the fact that he had to take a backseat in training camp, the fact that Dirk Cutter said he has to lead, quote, from the rear now, he's not going to be at the press conferences, he's not taking reps with the ones, you know, he's not the guy for the first time in his life. He responded this preseason with arguably his best preseason. So sometimes in life, as you guys know, you got to be humbled. He's been humbled, and he reacted well so we'll see in the long run if he can build off what he did in the preseason. Well, and that's the question. So because in the preseason, I think he was the top-rated quarterback in the NFL, and right behind him was Ryan Fitzpatrick, who now has played yep. well through three games. Did the Bucks make an official announcement about Fitzpatrick? And beyond that, how do you think this will play out? Because Winston is going to get another chance. I mean, I, I mean, unless Fitzpatrick somehow remains Fitzmagic and doesn't get dinged along the way, but there's going to come a time where all of a sudden they're going to turn and there's Winston. Well, I think based on you know everything that's happened with Ryan Fitzpatrick the first three games, it's, it's remarkable, guys. You can look at uh, the Montanas, the Bradys, the Marinos. None of those guys ever had three straight games with 400 yards of passing. And Ryan Fitzpatrick's the only guy in NFL history to do that. So I think it was always a tempered stance with this football team on answering questions even before all that when Jameis was going to come back, what are they going to do? Because I think they wanted to wait and see how Ryan Fitzpatrick would respond. But the interesting thing to me, though, is in training camp, with Jameis out of the mix, you had Ryan Griffin, the backup quarterback, another Ryan, and he's the guy who pushed Fitzpatrick a year ago. Well, Dirk Cutter made it known the first day of training camp, not only is Jameis going to lead from the rear, but Ryan Fitzpatrick is our guy, almost eliminated any competition. And when asked about it in the subsequent weeks after that, would say, why are you guys asking me that? We have faith in Ryan Fitzpatrick, not even knowing how he would do in those first three games. But now you have that body of work, guys. But the interesting part to me is now Dirk Cutter, instead of saying, well, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be the guy this week, he says, we know the answer, but we're not going to tell you. And he blames it on competitive advantage with the Bears. Now, if Ryan Fitzpatrick is banged up and there's an injury, I get it. But if you defend the guy in the preseason, you stick by him. Why are you not sticking by him now, A, and why why is this a big secret? I'm just kind of lost in all that, frankly. Well, from the Jameis side of the ledger, I don't know that he wants to get thrown to the Bears literally this weekend. So, I mean, yeah. you'd probably rather see Fitzpatrick, and if he struggles, then it's a little bit more of a natural time to ease Winston back in. But let's say Fitzpatrick plays the year out. So this is year four for, for Jameis, and the Bucks own his option for next year. Is that right? Yeah, and the tricky part about that is um, they can throw that out the window as long as Jameis Winston isn't hurt. That's the caveat. Now, if so, he's hurt, then, then he gets the option. But if he's not hurt, then they they can uh, rework the deal. However, and when do they well, well, can they? Basically, what I'm saying is this, Mike. I mean, if Fitzpatrick played the whole year, can the Bucks just be done with Winston, not pick up the option, and he's on the free agent market, and he went from a guy who potentially was going to sign a hundred and sixty million dollar contract to a guy that somebody's going to gamble on for two years and twenty million or something like that? I mean, is that what he's staring at? The short answer is yes, but I think it's much more complicated than that because this is a franchise, Tom and Keith, as you know, that has always had trouble at the quarterback position. Really, the only mainstay quarterback they've had, they had Brad Johnson's Super Bowl run, sure, but the mainstay quarterback was Doug Williams, and he didn't stick around. Uh, so many quarterbacks have left this franchise 
to go on to bigger and better things. I don't think that would happen, but it could happen. It could happen. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, let's face it, he's not getting any younger. And Jameis Winston was the first overall pick just a few years ago. And I know for a fact that Jason Light, the general manager, likes him a great deal. The Glazers, the owners, like him a good deal. They want this to work. But it may be kind of a compromise where he doesn't get the big money. They meet halfway. But I don't see him leaving the Bucks. But, yes, he could easily – they could easily just let him walk away if he doesn't get hurt and doesn't play. Mike, is there a date coming up during the season that's going to be some kind of indication, i.e. a date when the Bucks have to make some type of decision relative to Jameis, or can this just go all the way to the end of the year? Well, I think, Keith, just because, you know, it's amazing. I think this is why the NFL is so popular, because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, everybody thought, well, the NFC South could have three playoff teams, and it could be Carolina, it could be New Orleans, it could be Atlanta. Nobody was throwing Tampa Bay in there. But now all of a sudden, Tampa Bay's tied for first. I know it's only three games. But if this team stays in the hunt of the playoff race and Fitzpatrick, let's just say he keeps playing well, it's almost a, to me, a Carson Wentz, Nick Foles situation, as, as weird as that sounds. You want to have two good quarterbacks. Let's say Fitzpatrick goes down in week 13 and the Bucks are in the middle of a playoff run. It's a luxury. Boy, it's great to have a Jameis Winston coming off the bench. So I think it's a real week-to-week thing at this point. I really do. This is really good perspective from Mike Neighbors. Let me ask you one other question. We'll, we'll let you get going. Different player completely. Uh, but Javion Elliott, to me, and I've been around Florida State a while, he's one of the more remarkable stories I can think of. And you know his yeah. story. FSU fans, big fans know it. But, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, played high school ball over in Panama City, had no offers, was at TCC, and then transferred. Sat out for two or three years. Three seasons, I think. Transfers over to FSU, walks onto the football team, in his second year on the football, you know, plays a little bit of special teams. In his second year, because of injuries, he winds up starting the back half of the season. You know, gets invited to Bucks training camp, makes the practice squad, makes the actual roster. I know he's up and down, but I haven't tallied his career earnings. But the guy's probably made seven fifty to a million, being a walk on at FSU that nobody's you know thought was going to amount to anything on the field. Have you had a chance to interact with him? It's just a remarkable story to me. It's funny you bring that up because those are the reasons I love covering sports, stories like, like J.V. and Elliot. And, you know, you see stories like that usually for a guy who, you know, may have gotten in trouble, had to go to a smaller school or didn't get any scholarship offers and had to go to a smaller school, whatever the case. But to do it at Florida State <laughs> and then to make the NFL, that's kind of uh, uncharted territory for a lot of guys. And I remember asking him, you know, was there one person in your life that you really leaned on because it had to be a lot of lean years there where you either doubted yourself or doubted your future. And he said his dad, he said his family. So obviously he has a strong family and, you know, it's an incredible story. And you know, he may be one of those guys that's back and forth off the roster, but you know, you talked to him five years ago, he never thought he'd be in this position. And, and in the NFL, you never know how it works either. You've seen guys bounce around, uh, the first couple of years, and they finally find a, a roster and a team that really needs them. So, uh, you know, the JV and Elliott story, uh, to me, that's that's why I got in the business to cover stories like that. And if you're a sports fan, you can only appreciate that. Mike, back in the day, you used to do the neighborhood on Sunday nights <laughs> at uh, Channel 27. Uh, I know your latest venture. What is it? You're running errands with with uh, celebrity sports folks, or what do you got going? I am. Yes, uh, I appreciate the plug there. Um, it's kind of a takeoff on, uh, I'm not going to sing like, uh, like that late night guy in carpool karaoke. You know me, I can't sing. But, what, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a good transition from JV and Ellie. You know, what I love doing in sports is really getting to know people. And locker room interviews and press conferences, you don't get to know these athletes. You don't get to know these coaches. So we want to really get to know people. And we're doing it by running errands with them. Everybody runs errands in their life. Now, all the errands are different. But we're having athletes and coaches and sports personalities pick out three errands. We're putting GoPro cameras in the car. We have a crew following us, and we go run errands. And our first episode was with uh, the very shy Dick Vitale. It was hard to get anything out of him at all. But he was fantastic. Uh, he at first wanted to get a haircut, which we thought was kind of funny. But, of course, he has his great foundation. Uh, we went and saw his grandkids play tennis, and uh, we hung out and read the morning paper together. So we look forward to having – Different episodes, of, of course, with different errands and really getting to know people. And uh, it'll be on our YouTube channel and all our social media platforms. So I appreciate the plug. It's called Errands right now. Uh, we're about to release the Dick Vitale pilot, and we have some other names lined up. We're real excited about it. 
Cool. So the YouTube channel, is it under Neighbors Media Group or Aaron's or what do we, you know, for, for those, those of us that are not sophisticated in social media, <laughs> like, like the Emmy Award winning Keith Jones sitting next to me, help us out. Well, it's funny because uh, I have teenage daughters. So if you go Aaron's on YouTube, all kinds of stuff comes up. And this YouTube page, you never know what you're going to see. But yeah, it's under Aaron's. And uh, if you if you just search Aaron's Dick Vitale, you'll see it, and you can subscribe. And uh, we've had a you know a really good response to this, uh, more than anything I've ever done. So uh, it'll be a, a big thing for for me and my production company. Moving All right, forward. well, Mike, when you well. travel to Tallahassee, you've got a choice to run Aaron's with Willie Taggart or Mike Martin or Tom Block. Who are you going to run Aaron's with? You know what? I, I'm actually actually thinking about Mike Martin. I've had some talks with Florida State about that, but uh, you know, Tom Block and I think would have uh, let's just say more entertaining errands. <laughs> well, we've drank beer together, so that's one of the three things we do, right, Nate? <laughs> that's right. We're on a podcast. I can say anything, right? <laughs> I appreciate it, Mike. I enjoyed it, guys. Anytime. All Thanks, right. Mike. Mike Neighbors. That's that's a really good perspective on what's going on down in Tampa. He's that, a good guy. That's a pretty interesting concept. Well, he that's, used, that's pretty creative. He used to uh, – He we worked together maybe 15 months. It would have been uh, 97 and 98. I remember for sure we did a show when FSU played at USC in football, and he was here and I was there. And then I remember he started doing this neighborhood thing on Sunday night. And it was a whole set that he'd decorate out, and he'd have different folks come. I remember Chris Winky for sure coming on. So it was in that time frame, 97, 98, and he used to do it every Sunday. But he's he's very clever, creative, does a good job. He uh, is very well respected by folks that, well, just like you were talking about, folks that have worked with him previously, the folks at Sun Sports, uh, think very highly of him, very highly of him. Okay, we'll react to that and every uh, all the other damage we've done we continue on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Thanks to Mike Neighbors for joining us. Tim Linnefelt uh, earlier in the show, as always. Uh, I guess we shouldn't be surprised. 100 Bucks fans, 70 of them are anti-Jameis at this point. Did that number surprise you at all, KJ? Uh, no, that's about where I thought it would be. I mean, because you, you've got a core group because we're in the South that don't like it when people lie or do something that, that involves, um, you know, any type of activity against a woman. And then you got those. Well, that's that, not restricted to the South. No, I'm we're, just, we're in the South. Well, I'm just yeah. saying there's, there's that, that, uh, appropriate hardcore group that, you know, it wouldn't matter what the actual story was. Um, and then you've got, you know, the hardcore Tampa Bay fans that are just, you know, if they've got one title in 50 years, 55 years, however long the franchise has been, you know, they they would love to have anybody that as long as they can play football on the field, they don't care what happens outside of the lines. And you got everybody else in the middle. And so that, he's brought, that's probably he, a pretty good number. He's, he's brought it on himself. That was good perspective from Mike. He and I, uh, we didn't talk about the Saints there. He has been uh, he's covered the Saints for probably 12 to 15 years now. He's the sideline guy on the Saints preseason broadcast, and this has to do with he used to work for, uh, well, he still works for Cox Communications in Louisiana, even though he lives in Tampa. So the irony of this is that I never see him in Florida, but like the last two years, he and I have spent Christmas Eve together because the Saints have played, and he's stuck in New Orleans with no family. So I said, come on over, because that's where I am with the uh, with the Block family. Anyway, our listeners don't really care about that, but that's when he and I get together. Um. Let's get back to the Louisville thing after I remind uh, folks that if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. You know, last week we said we needed at least a fastener for the offensive line. What do we need from Ron this week uh, at Louisville? Uh, a long extension cord that we can throw touchdown passes down. Does that make any sense? <laughs> no, it made no sense. Oh, just, and never mind that. 1110 Stuckey Avenue. I'm going to keep reading this, and you can see if you can come up with a better illustration. I'm, I'm lost. I, 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200. Visit them online at ctf. A tall ladder that a running back can climb and jump over the goal line. What we needed two years ago was that extension cord yanked from the scoreboard so I didn't have to see more points going up for well, that's a, that's a fact Jack that was uh, uh, whatever movie that's from <laughs> that, that was uh, are you going stripes on us today is you're, that going, where, that's where you're going really old school huh um 
I think I've kind of blocked out uh, that day entirely. That was well. That, that was, day that began. If you'll remember, talking about an Uber driver back to Winston. That day began with us taking an Uber to the stadium. Two oh, years and ago, getting, in, getting an argument with law and, enforcement because they wouldn't let us close enough to the stadium. Dang near getting arrested. Just about got arrested, and we really didn't do anything bad. We just got out of the car in the middle of a road, and they didn't like that. But that involved an Uber driver. And that was the highlight of the day, come to think yeah, of it. Yeah, it went downhill from there. It went downhill pretty quickly. All right, so what do you think this weekend? I, I think Florida State, uh, they're five-point favorite, even though they're the visiting team. I think with the quarterback revolving door that Petrino has um, and Louisville's defense has not been like we have expected them to be, I, I think this is a game that Florida State can and should win. Uh, I think if they go out and play uh, better, they can win. They don't have to play great. Now, back to your point in fear, what if they revert? What if they go backwards? Then it's a game that Florida State could lose by four touchdowns and get embarrassed because Louisville's got talent at the other positions. There's no question. But it is a game that Florida State should continue, hopefully will, make progress. And uh, the Louisville's not the juggernaut they were two years ago. They don't have the dynamic quarterback that they did. And this is a game they can and should win. On the surface... I don't see the team reverting. What concerns me is when things don't go your way. Last week, things went Florida State's way. They got a deflected touchdown that Jacquez Patrick, Jacquez had, Patrick had, had a couple of breaks. Had a couple of breaks on that first drive. Got up 14 nothing. A batted ball that didn't get intercepted. Right. And I won't say cruised from there. They didn't, they didn't stay as focused as they needed to. What concerns me is, okay, now Louisville gets a break. Uh, you know, lost in that 63 points, not that it made a difference, but one of the passes Lamar Jackson threw, he overshot his receiver by 20 yards, and there happened to be a tight end sitting there on the sideline who caught it and went to the to, to the house or the one-yard line or whatever. If they get that kind of play this week and Florida State's behind 7 or 10, then do they revert? That's the part that concerns me because uh, this goes back to the whole mindset and being soft, as you called it, and the psyche it's still fragile to me. And, and you don't know until you've been there, and you don't want to take the chance of getting there and even overcoming it. You don't want to get there to start with. And, and hopefully that won't be the case. Because the game coming up next after that, that we don't want to talk about, is going to be very interesting for a multitude of reasons. One result or another will be here to talk to you about it Sunday morning at 8 with our, our first uh, look edition, and then again next Wednesday night. Right? We are consistent. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Consistently mediocre. Is that our tagline? I just said consistent. You just said consistent. All right, I'll shut up now. We'll talk to you again next week, folks.